quiet silence of a heart that believes itself defeated by loss, by pain, by fear. Our hope nailed to a cross, our own faith depleted at the sight of no movement, a body inert. But it is not the end. At the sound of the gravestone rolling, a new story has unfolded. Death has been defeated. Our hope is alive. Jesus is alive. We raise our hands in victory. By his resurrection, we are set free. He blows a wind of life and brings us back to the light. He is risen. Our Messiah is alive. He breathes and the darkness trembles. He speaks and our future shines. By his sacrifice, we are now saved. By his grace, we can all rise. Here rejoicing in the sky, the grave could not hold him. The veil has been torn. Our Christ has won over death, over sin, over ache. By his power, all chains break. He is victorious. He is the way. He is the resurrection and the life. And by his wounds, we're made alive. Celebrate Jesus Christ. He's alive. The tomb is empty. Hey, go tell somebody about it. He's not there. This is the greatest day in the history of mankind. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most epic event of all. It changes everything. Would you agree with me? It changes everything. And I want to thank you all for being here today. I want to thank those that are uh, watching online. And like Adam just referred to a moment ago, I want to thank everybody, uh, a part of our church family that's worked so hard this week. Yesterday was an epic uh, extravaganza as uh, 8,000 eggs full of candy were handed out to a bunch of kids and all the dentists in the community are really happy. Um, Friday night was our Good Friday service and it was just really uh, awesome. This week our Compassion Center and uh, church family handed out 150 food baskets to families in need just saying, hey, God loves you and we want you to know that. Five services here today and in addition to that, all of our kids' services online and then our Marshallese congregation, Spanish church, Deaf church. So lots happening this week and rightly so as we converge on this special week and this special day to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. We gather together along with three billion Christians around the world to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When they first went to the tomb, nobody expected nobody. You see what I did there? Nobody expected nobody. Why? Because dead people don't rise from the dead. Dead people don't rise again. It just doesn't happen. I had to laugh this week as I was watching a uh, little video clip online uh, where someone was doing a spoof in a hospital, and this wasn't very kind, but it did make me laugh. You know, some attendant was pushing a gurney into a, uh, uh, an elevator, and there's one guy in the elevator, and obviously there was a body underneath a blanket, and you immediately say, well, that person's dead. And the attendant forgot something, supposedly, and he left, 
you know, the person in there with that one individual, and all of a sudden the door closes and it's just those two. One's dead, one's alive, and the one that's dead under the, uh, uh, under the, uh, the blanket begins to rise up. That's right, rise up. And the guy in the elevator is climbing the walls. He's freaking out. The door opens, he jumps over the table, runs in the attendant who conveniently came back, and he's running down the hall just screaming out all sorts of things. I had to laugh. You know, dead people just don't come back to life. You know, that just isn't supposed to happen. But, of course, Jesus did. And notice what it says here in Mark chapter 16, verses 5, 6, and 7. I want you to read this out loud with me all together. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Jesus is alive. The most epic event in the history of mankind, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I like what Timothy Keller said, and he said it quite poignantly. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about anything he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Christ proved his love on the cross, and he proved his power in the resurrection. We serve a risen Savior. Mighty is the Lord. Jesus said this. He says, I give you a choice. I give you a choice. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? We all have a choice. We have a choice whether or not to believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, to believe that he is the resurrected Messiah. We have a choice whether to accept him into our life and ask him to forgive us our sins and to follow him with all of our life. We have a choice to receive Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord, into our life. And with that, his abiding presence that not only offers us eternal life forever and ever, but help in the life that we live today, day by day. How many are thankful that Jesus is alive? How many are thankful that he's given us that choice? We have a choice. And Jesus makes it clear. I know you've noticed this as I have, but today... Everywhere you look, people are bound by fear, burdened with anxiety, overcome with, with worry. Everywhere you look, I see it in young kids, I see it in, in young people at school, I see it in young adults and in middle-aged adults and senior-aged adults. You know, everywhere you look and, and everywhere you read, there are statistics and stories and, and studies on, on how people's anxiety and, and worry and fear is just continually to grow and mount everywhere you look. We all have phobias. I have a peer counselor, his name is Rex, my dog. We kind of encourage each other, you know, through the week I talk to him, he talks to me, and the other day we were outside and I said, Rex, I need to talk to you about your phobias. And uh, I need to talk to you about your fears. And he immediately looks away and says, you know, I, I don't want to talk about my fear. Uh, he's afraid of shadows. And Rex says, I'm ashamed that I'm afraid of shadows, but shadows are very, very scary. How many have dogs and know what I'm talking about? Shadows are very, very scary. 
And I said, Rex, it's okay because I too have fears. One is autocorrect in social media. It's a great fear. I do a, a daily devotional early every morning, and uh, if you're not following me on Facebook, I invite you to, uh, uh, to join for just a brief little devotional thought. And, uh, you know, my eyes are sometimes cross-eyed early in the morning, and I'll type some stuff out, and there have been many times I've caught some just before sending it out that was like a swear word. Now, you guys can go ahead and swear, and that's okay, but for a pastor to swear, I mean, that's an occupational hazard. How many know what I'm talking about? If that ever happens, I may have to file for workman's compensation or something. Uh, you know, that is just, you know, not supposed to happen. The other day I was trying to send something out, and uh, the phrase, he is risen, was changed to he is Diane. Well, that's not what I wanted to say. <laughs> he isn't Diane. Diane hasn't risen. Jesus rose. And if I had a boy, I wouldn't name him Diane. Like, you know, there's lots of problems with that. So Rex says, hey, don't worry about it, Rob Dad. And uh, I tell Rex not to worry about his thing. But obviously what we're talking about today are not shadows and not autocorrect. We're talking about some pretty, pretty deep stuff. Some pretty painful things when we talk about the anxieties and fears and worries that people have. And I couldn't help but think of all the stories that are flooding my mind these days about children. You know, we've all seen pictures of, of young moms with their young children in Ukraine just weeping and, you know, stranded and, you know, running and trying to find shelter. And our heart breaks. We see pictures of missiles that say, for the children, and our heart breaks. You know, we, we read and hear, you know, story after story, you know, and, and our heart breaks. The other day I saw a mom using a uh, Sharpie writing the name of next of kin on the back of one of her children just in case she and, and, and daddy die. Someone will know where to find some next of kin for their surviving child. I mean, that's just hard to totally compute. The World Food World Food Program feeds 17 million people alone in Yemen. A lot of them are children. And because of the war and because of food shortage and the prices of food, they can now only feed 8 million. And they've gone from helping the hungry to serving only the starving. There's not even enough food for everybody. In our community alone, unsheltered people have grown by 78% over the last several years, and many of those are kids. And through our Compassion Center, we're trying to stamp out hunger and homelessness in our community, and we have a ways to go for sure. Lisa and I have good friends that live in our neighborhood, and we've been praying for them because their uh, grandson uh, was born here about a year ago with a physical challenge, and just this last week, they had to amputate that little baby's uh, foot kind of at the lower leg. That's a tough way. To, to start as a young one. And they have friends of their daughter who had a baby about the same time that was born with no hands and no feet. We're talking about real problems, real anxieties, real issues that grip us at the core of who we are. Fear, worry, anxiety abound. And I have found through the work that I do with working with many people for many years, that, that usually anxiety comes through three different channels, past regrets, present problems, and future fears. Past regrets, present problems, and future fears. 
But the whole point of today's message is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us a choice. It gives us a choice. We can be overwhelmed by the past. We can be deep-sixed by the present. We can have no hope for the future if we want to do it on our own. Or we can rely on the resurrected Jesus who not only rose from the dead and showed his power, but he lives in us. His abiding presence lives in us as Christians, and we can rely on his power to help us deal with the past, the present, and the future. How many can say a big amen to that? I can recover from past regrets. I can... I can persevere through present problems. I can, I can face my fears with assurance and hope in Christ. I wrote this down. I'll say this a couple times here today. While so much in life is uncontrollable, some things are certain. And one thing we know for sure, for sure, for sure, that Jesus Christ came, he died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. That is a historically attested fact. He rose from the dead. And if I commit my life to him, he will come into my life and not only give me the hope of everlasting life in heaven one day, but he will walk with me every moment of every day this side of heaven. And that means the world to me. How about you? I know it means the world to you as well. We do not have to be deep-sixed by our past, our present, or our future. I know within the sound of my voice there are some who would say, Rob, I'm three for three. I'm overwhelmed by past regrets. My present problems are just buried me. And I have so much fear of the future. Now, if you're a baseball player, if you go to the plate and you go three for three, that's a good batting average. If you play basketball and you shoot free throws and you go three for three, that's a good free throw percentage. But if you're walking through life dealing with past regrets, present problems, and future fears in an overwhelming fashion, if those things own you, that is next to impossible. Jesus never intended those things to own you. They're real. Being a Christian doesn't eliminate them. But when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you automatically have the greatest power in the world, the power of the resurrected Christ inside of you, and he will help us deal with all three. We have a choice to make, and I want you to just think about your own life as we walk through these three choices. The first one is I can choose not to be broken by past regrets. Past regrets break a lot of people, and a lot of people remain broken by the past but we can choose another pathway. I found it interesting in a brand new book, The Power of Regret, how looking backward moves us forward. Best-selling author Daniel Pink offers cutting-edge scientific research on the subject of regret. His World Regret Survey surveyed over 16,000 people in over 100 uh, countries, and it produced many fascinating conclusions. He writes in his book, No Regrets is a Philosophy of Life for Many, Many People but he says it's nonsense. <laughs> the only problem with it is it's nonsense. It's a great bumper sticker, but it's just not real in life. It can even be dangerous. Why? Because everybody has regrets. They're a fundamental part of our life, he writes. And if we reckon with them in a fresh and imaginative ways, we can enlist our regret to make smarter decisions, perform better at work and school, and deepen our sense of meaning and purpose. He goes on to tell some funny stories about tattoos, and, uh, and he says, you know, uh, you know, one of the major tattoos that uh, uh, people choose is the message, no regrets. 
And then he tells the story, and some of you have seen the movie. I haven't, but I, I had to laugh. He says there's a movie where, uh, you know, this guy is tatted up, and he's got this big, you know, tattoo across his neck, you know, that you can always see. And it says, no regrets, only problems. He spelled it wrong. Some of you know the movie I'm talking about. No regrets, R-A. And uh, in the movie, uh, a buddy of the tatted up brother comes up to him and says, hey, so you have no regrets? No. The guy says, none. Not even one? No. Not even one. Not even one letter? No. Not even one letter. <laughs> and Daniel Pink laughs and says, you know, this guy may not have any regrets, but a lot of people do. And he goes on to share in a kind of a comical way. He says about one in five people who get tattoos eventually regret their decision, probably because they misspelled a word. And that is why the tattoo removal business is a $100 million a year industry in the U.S. alone. Well, Pink says reclaiming regret as an indispensable emotion is important. And he said in 70 years of research, we have learned that regret makes us human and regret can make us better. Well, the point of all of that is this. I like when scientific discovery catches up with the Bible. And Paul addressed this many, many, many years ago in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, when he said in one of my favorite passages of Scripture, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Notice he made a choice. He was resolute. This one thing I do. I'm not living in the past. He says, I'm going to learn from the past, but I'm not living back there. You say, Rob, you're talking about one of the greatest spiritual leaders of all time, the Apostle Paul. He has no regrets. Oh, yes, he did. He, tur he turned from being a Christian killer to then becoming one of the greatest missionaries, arguably the greatest missionaries in the history of the church. But he started off by killing Christians. You talk about regrets or regrets, if you prefer. Uh, there was a lot of that. But he said, this one thing I do, I am not living in the past, I'm learning from it. I'm pressing on, I'm not giving up, I'm moving forward in the power of Jesus Christ. And friends, that is the attitude and perspective we must adopt. He knew and we need to know that the power of the risen Savior is thriving in us and he wants us to help uh, overcome past regrets. He learned from the past, he didn't live in it. So how about you and me today? I'm going to encourage you to choose to turn to the resurrected Christ who majors in new beginnings, fresh starts, and in bringing what is dead back to life. I want to encourage you to choose to optimize regret, leverage it, repurpose it, use it, reclaim it for good. Choose to not stay broken by regret, but become buoyed by it, rebound, rebuild, grow, mature, follow Christ more fully. Choose to invite Christ into your regret and ask him to redeem, repurpose it, and start a recovery process in you. Choose to not waste past mistakes. Remember your failure is not final and allow God to use the raw building material of your failures to make you better and more mature and more like Jesus Christ. What is it that you brought into this service as you look to your past that fills you with regret? What regret has you weighed down, has you defeated, has you overwhelmed, has you feeling anxious? What needs to be resurrected in your life? What needs to come alive? What needs to be reborn? 
What needs to rise from the dead? Maybe it's broken dreams. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your family relationships or other relationships. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's hopes. Maybe it's your faith. What needs to be born again? What needs to be resurrected? Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, we too can rise. We do not have to be buried and broken and bloodied by past regrets. We need to choose not to let that happen, but to rise in Christ. I can also choose not to be buried by present problems. Now this is hard, admittedly. Because when we're going through whatever problems we're going through, it is all-consuming at times. And I just shared a bunch of challenges that other people are having right now. And, and maybe in comparison, what we're going through isn't what, like what they're going through. But, but in all reality, when we're going through stuff, it is all-consuming. And seemingly, there's nothing worse. And it's real. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean all the problems in life go away. It just means that we have a risen Savior within us to help us persevere, amen? And he is there and available to us. But we don't have to be beaten down. We don't have to be buried. We don't have to be destroyed by whatever we're going through. Here's what the Apostle James says. He says, Rob, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces a perseverance, and that perseverance finishes its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We're reminded here by James that God will give us the strength to persevere through our present problems, pain and predicament. He'll help us overcome, not be overrun by whatever it is we're dealing with in life. We have available to us the resurrection power of Jesus Christ once we become Christians. I was not familiar with the name Austin Hatch when I was going through my Twitter feed some days ago. Austin Hatch, the picture popped up and it said motivational speaker. And I have kind of concluded, rightly or wrongly, that to be a motivational speaker, you either need to have lived a long, long life with a lot of experiences, or if you're young, you must have gone through a pretty terrible ordeal. And I was curious, and so I Googled Austin, and the first thing that jumped up when I Googled him, the words, a tale in overcoming. I said, there you go. What is his story? I got to know. So I read, and I read, and I read. This is a young man that survived two airplane crashes. How many here today have survived two airplane crashes? I don't expect to see any hands. If so, I'll be shocked. Probably nobody has, uh, you know, survived one airplane crash. He survived two. When he was eight years of age, his dad jumped into a, uh, a private plane, and his mom and uh, his two siblings were in as well. And for some reason, after a while, they lost altitude. Make a long story short, they crashed. His dad was able to throw Austin from the fiery wreckage, but was unable to save anybody else. So only dad and Austin survived. It took him a while to recover. It took him for a long time to recover emotionally. And fast forward several years later, Austin's dad remarried, and they started to kind of put their life back together. When he was a sophomore in high school, he was given a full-ride scholarship to attend the University of Michigan uh, on a basketball scholarship. And, of course, he was excited. His family was excited. Everything seemed to be moving in a good direction. But it was about four or five months after getting that full ride that they went on another airplane ride. Again, his dad was the pilot. This time his stepmom and other family members were on board. And for whatever reason, the pilot 
or, or the, the plane lost altitude, crashed into a, a garage, and this time, only Austin survived. Wow. His body was deeply broken, and it took a long time to mend. To make a long story short, University of Michigan stayed true to their commitment, and he was able to be on the basketball team, and that part was a beautiful, beautiful part of his life. But he writes these words. He says, my journey might be more graphic and traumatic than others. You think? <laughs> Probably. He says, it might be more graphic and traumatic than others, but everyone has challenges. That's true. He says, I hope I'm providing encouragement and motivation that helps other people. I mean, being just inches away from death twice in your life offers a brand new perspective. And he put together a uh, motivational curriculum that's built around this acrostic, and you know how I love acrostics and acronyms, grit, growth mindset, resilience, integrity, and a team-first mentality. I tell you that story to tell you this. You and I, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, have a lot more power in us than grit and personal willpower. The Bible says in Romans 8 and Ephesians chapter 1, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you if you're a follower of Christ. Resurrection power helps us deal with past regret and also present predicaments. And I know within the sound of my voice, probably most everyone is dealing with something really difficult right now. And I want to remind you, there is a Jesus that loves you. He came for you. He died for you. He rose again from the dead. And he lives in you if you've invited him. And he will give you the power and strength to press on. He will give you the power and strength to press on. But we choose. We stay down and stay beaten, or we rise above in his strength. There is no power greater than the power of Jesus and no problem too big for him change direction he will give us hope and finally number three i can choose not to be bound by future fears we can have certainty in uncertain times the bible says do not be afraid fear not phrases like that over 365 times at least once for every day of the year in fact our most beloved psalm psalm 23 you know, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. Jesus never intended you and me to live our lives bound by fear, burdened by anxiety, beaten and bloody by, by worries. That's never been his plan. It's not healthy. It's not wise. And because of Jesus, it's not necessary. We can overcome, we can rise above future fears through Jesus Christ. The crippling fear is real, and we've all dealt with it, and maybe you're dealing with it here today. I listened to a podcast here uh, some time ago, and someone was interviewing a young mommy by the name of Christina. Christina was 28 years of age. She had two little children and uh, uh, lived in Ukraine and uh, had just escaped and found her way to a safe place. But her story was riveting. And at many different turns along the way, I was just totally focused as I was, I was listening to the podcast. You know, she one day stood out on the front of her, her porch area and a bomb landed not too far away, leveling three homes, 
killing many different people, including children. It wasn't long after that that a bomb hit her home. Somehow they miraculously survived, but neighbors and neighbor children, people they loved and knew, perished. With nowhere to live, they made their way to a war-torn building and lived in a corridor for several days. Her children were cold and shivering, really no food, tired. She's trying to read and trying to sing and trying to, uh, you know, comfort them best she can. And finally, after some time, she and her husband decide we need to leave. We need to get out of here. They have two cars, enough for their whole family, but they only have one full tank of gas, no gas for the other vehicle. So they have to choose. And I'm on the edge of my seat as I'm listening to this going, whoa, how do they choose? Mom and dad and the two kids were the ones that got the car with the gas and grandmas and grandpas and others stayed behind. After 15 checkpoints, three hours down the road, they made it to a safe place and they saw a sign that welcomed them. They went into a building and Christina said she just broke and began weeping because there, for the first time, they found some hope. There was food, there was water, there was uh, a safe, dry place for them to sleep and stay while they found their bearings. The next day she heard from mom and dad and other family members that they wanted to leave too but couldn't find any gas. Food was scarce. Next day, more information. We can't find any meds for grandma. And a few days later, the messages stopped coming. Crippling fear exists everywhere you look. And Christina has dealt with more than her fair share of fear and worry and anxiety. The Bible doesn't say that we're going to make it through this life unscathed. But it does say we can make it through this life never, ever alone. Jesus will always, always be with us. Max Licato says, your goal is not to know every detail of the future. Your goal is to hold the hand of the one who does and to never, ever let go. And that one is Jesus Christ, the resurrected Savior. He knows our future. He's in our future. Our future doesn't have to destroy us. The fear of it doesn't have to cripple us. Our future is not futile because we don't have to be dominated by that which is fearful. Here's what Paul said. He says, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary trouble are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. As I said at the very beginning, much of life is uncontrollable, but some things are certain. God's love, God's forgiveness, God's power, eternal life, his abiding presence in us if we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior. So we need to choose wisely. We need to choose Jesus. Jesus says, if you believe in me, choose to believe in Christ. Choose to invite him in to forgive you of your sins. Some of you here today, and within the sound of my voice and in other services today, there'll be those that will be making a commitment to Christ for the very first time. Some will be recommitting their life to Jesus Christ. 
as well as other faith steps. Lord, we bow our hearts and our heads in prayer for a moment. And we say thank you for going to the cross, dying, but rising from the dead, which offers us the hope of eternal life in heaven if we give our life to you. Christ in us is our hope of glory. Once we invite you into our life and ask you to forgive us of our sins, God, you will do that. You will live within us, and our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and we have the future hope of eternal life in heaven one day, which we rejoice in. That is our blessed hope, as the Scripture describes. But we also know that the abiding presence of Almighty God, the power of the resurrected Savior lives in us and it helps us overcome past regrets and deal with present problems and face the future without fear. We have hope and assurance in Christ Jesus. Today, friend, I want to encourage you to commit your life to Jesus, to pray a prayer of commitment. Dear Jesus, I commit my life to you. Or a prayer of recommitment. Lord, I recommit my life to you. If you've been a Christian for a long time, ask God what that next faith step is for you. What what does God want you to do to serve him more faithfully? Lord, I pray that you'll communicate personally to each and every person here throughout all the services today. Remind each one of your love, your great love, your great power. And may we be compelled to follow you in greater ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to join me in taking a survey. We did this last week. We're going to do it again right now. But uh, if you have your phone, go ahead and uh, I was told to explain it to folks that don't have this dialed in yet, but just open your camera and shine it on the QR code and it will give you an opportunity to uh, highlight that area. And when you do that, of course some of you are pros at that, Uh, you'll immediately get the survey. And when you dial up the survey, for those of you listening online, you'll see the survey right there for you. If you have the BCA app, it's also there. If you don't have a phone, uh, which is maybe one person, um, you know, there's a uh, card in front of you that you can grab and, and make a note of this and then drop that card in the black box when you leave. But notice it says, hey, what service did I attend? Several options there. And then we come to the next section that is so, so important. And I really want you to... Uh, internalize this and and, and make this a personal part of your faith journey here today. What is Christ, as a response to this service and this message, what is Christ challenging you to do? And there's a place for you to place, I want to commit my life to Christ, or maybe recommit my life to Christ. I want to get water baptized. Maybe that's what, what you feel the Lord is speaking to you. Maybe you accepted Christ in recent weeks, and today you're wanting to say, I want to take the next step. I want to be water baptized. I want to make an effort to learn how to grow in my Christian faith. I want to learn about opportunities to serve others. You know, Easter is a great time to just say, Lord, how can I serve you more? You have done so much for me by sending your son, Jesus. And Jesus came to serve me and my eternal needs by dying on the cross and raising from the dead. God, how can I serve you with all that is within me? I want the rest of my life to be one of service to you that says, thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for me. I think many people will check that box. I'm new to BCA. I want to get more involved. Welcome. We want you to get more involved. I'm already involved at BCA. Going to continue. Awesome. 
I'm not sure how I want to respond yet. That's an honest response. I appreciate that. And then there's a place for other. Maybe there's something else in your heart that you'd like to express. Click that uh, particular uh, box and it'll open up a place for you to write out a particular need. Then as you go on, you'll see an opportunity to offer areas that we can pray with you. Our pastors and our team prays every day for, for needs. So I just want to encourage you to fill that out. We're going to enjoy an incredible uh, song, and then our service will close in just a few minutes. Let's open our heart to what Christ has for us.